He tells the story of God's work in the world through his son, Jesus Christ. But to insist on the centrality of Christ is not narrow, not at all, because Christ is not narrow. Christ is cosmic. And he encompasses all of history. He encompasses all of life. Christ encompasses all of your life. And so true religion, James says, won't be characterized by just saying the right things or believing true things. True religion will be practice conformed to the reality of Christ. And so he says in verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. True religion will be marked by the love of Christ for the least and the last and the lost. And true religion will resist the pull of the world's wisdom, but will cling to the truth of Christ. Christians armed with the scriptures will move out confidently into the world, and yet they'll always remain distinct from the world. Like the Lord Jesus, we'll stoop down to serve the outsiders and the outcast, and we won't ever give in to the temptation to grasp for our own glory, to raise ourselves up by our own strength. Because in his life, and his death, and in his resurrection, the Lord Jesus shows us how reality works. For the pattern of the life of Christ is the path that leads to freedom. And as we see that pattern repeated again and again and again in every story of the Bible, we'll start to see all of life through the lens of the gospel. Day by day, moment by moment, we'll find ourselves more quickly looking to the interests of others than to our own. We'll recognize and turn away from the empty promises of the world. We'll reject the lies of the devil and we'll resist the evil desires of our hearts. And we'll grow to depend more and more on God's word of promise and not on our own wisdom and power. And that too will be... looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so, can I ask you again, do you long to experience the fullness of God's blessing in your life? And do you often feel like you're fighting against all of these different obstacles all of the time? Well, in his letter, James shows us the way forward, not our own strength, not our own clever strategies, but humble listening to the word, looking intently into the word, receiving what God says to us, hearing what God says to us, doing 
what God says to us. And to finish today, I want us to consider how that might play out in our stories, both as individuals and as a church, and we'll even kind of think even more broadly than that. So individually, in your own Christian walk, if you're anything like me, you long for greater personal intimacy with God. You long to make greater progress in your righteousness and you want to know what it means to see God's purposes take place in all that you do. And the great temptation is always to seek a shortcut, to find a life hack, as the kids say these days, that will kind of fast track our growth to godliness. But James here has shown us the slow and patient path of Christian progress. You will grow as you cultivate the seed of the gospel in your heart. You will grow as you look intently into the mirror of Scripture and conform your life to what you see. Why? Because Christian growth doesn't come from adding more and more on top of what we already have. Rather, it comes from going deeper and deeper into what God has already given to us. We don't need tricks and trade secrets. We have all that we need in the word of truth. One writer says, Christian growth is bringing what you do and say and even feel in line with who you already are in Christ. And so Christian growth will not be particularly sexy or spectacular. Like watching a seed grow, it's not going to immediately take your breath away. But through patience and perseverance, it will grow to be something breathtakingly beautiful as you become more like Jesus Christ. And so, brother, sister, keep reading the Word. Keep receiving it with humility. Keep looking into it intently. And keep asking God to help you see yourself clearly and to transform you powerfully. Grace has given us a wonderful worked example of that already today. Did you notice? She read Psalm 34 and she saw herself in it. And she received the comfort that God offered to her. And she reordered her life from pity to praise based on what she saw. What a wonderful thing. And that's what God will work in us as we keep looking into his word. And I want to at this point pause and just give a particular word to parents as well, because don't you want that for your kids? Don't you want your kids to grow up into maturity, to flourish in their faith? I mean, here are some uncomfortable questions for you. Are you giving as much attention then to your kids soaking in the scriptures as you give to their success at school? Do you urge them and help them to practice looking into the Bible just as much as you urge them and help them to practice their oboe or something? Do you make it as easy as possible for them to go deep into the Word at youth group or kids' church as you do to help them do well at basketball or netball? I know the parents of St. Mark's and I know that you want your kids to grow And it must seem sometimes like you're just kind of swimming against a cultural stream and you want to kind of spare your kids the trials that will come from following Christ in this life. But with our kids, as much as anything else, there are no tricks, there are no trade secrets, and what a relief. God has given you the word of truth 
And for you and your kids, as you keep looking into it, you have everything in here that you need to persevere through every trial and come out on the other side knowing the life of Christ. I mean, it might not mean they ducks their class. They might not be the first violinist of the Sydney Symphony when they're older. They might not be a soccer superstar, but you'll be leading them to something so much better. Life in the kingdom. I'm praying that for you as you pray that for your kids as well. What then about us as a church? Again, if you're anything like me, you long for our church to be a place of vital faith, for the light of the gospel to shine out through us and for many lives to be transformed as God works in us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, you know, this building on a Sunday night was just overflowing, if we had to move church to the hall, if the parish council had to work on a building project to fit everyone else in? And if you're anything like me, you might wish for some sort of ministry silver bullet, some magic formula that will catapult our church into stratospheric growth. Well, let me know if you find one. I'm not sure that one exists. I don't think there is a silver bullet. Instead, God has just given us a seed. There's no magic formula, but there is a mirror. And as we devote ourselves as a community to hearing and doing what God says to us in his word, our church will be fruitful in whatever way God determines that to be. Again, it won't be sexy, it won't be spectacular. Channel 9's not going to run a feature story about St. Mark's, this amazing church. James has given us the blueprint for something beautiful to care for widows and orphans and to keep ourselves unpolluted by the world. And so will we be a church that learns to see the needs of the people around us and to visit them in their distress with the love of Christ? Will we be a church that turns away from the ways of the world? We won't strive for status or grasp for glory or be consumed by outrage or burst out in anger, that we won't be never listening and always speaking. And will we be a church that follows instead the way of Christ, that we'll be stooping to serve, that we'll lift up the lowly, that we'll give generously and offer forgiveness and show hospitality and be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry? Because if we follow that path of the cross, we will be a church pleasing to our Father in heaven and God will use us to further his purposes in the world, whatever that may look like. And finally, we can think even bigger than that because many of us long also for the society around us to be transformed. Don't you long for people everywhere in our city to know and trust the gospel? For the love of Christ to kind of filter through every level of our culture? Don't we pray that for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? And don't you sometimes feel great sadness at the hostility that some have towards the gospel and just the plain ignorance that many have about Christianity? For some of us, we might even face the trial of being rejected by family or friends or colleagues or neighbours because we stand up as people who believe in Jesus. See, what hope do we have in the face of a world that has turned away from Christ? Well, I can tell you, our hope is not in your angry Facebook post in response to the latest Christian thing in the media. 
It won't be that clever put-down of your unbelieving colleague that puts them in their place. It won't be in the sharp word to your family member that just makes you feel a bit better about how they're treating you. It won't even be when you win the argument with your friend because you have the watertight apologetic point. See, we may feel sometimes like we're in the middle of unprecedented social change and that may or may not be true, but remember, God, our Father in heaven, He does not change like the shifting shadows. And His wisdom for the church has not changed. His plan to change the world, that hasn't changed either. The world was once changed by the quiet and faithful witness of Christians who were at heart hearers and doers of the word. And it can be again. We simply have to be who we are, followers of Christ and the family of God. And we need to keep doing what Christians have always done, teach and preach, sing and pray, love and serve, break bread together, share fellowship with one another, bear with one another and forgive one another. And who knows what God might do again. The Old Testament Jacob was, in the end, blessed by God, and through him, God did indeed bless people of all nations. But it was only when Jacob gave up all his strategizing and scheming and trickery and deception and started to simply listen that God could truly bless him. It was only when he lost his confidence swagger and began to limp that the Lord could really lift him up. The New Testament Jacob tells us the very same thing, that we need to stop with the angry striving and just start listening. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Amen.